Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Space Trash. Trash in space. Space Trash. Lifestyles, the rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, Trashlings, and welcome back, finally, to a normal, totally run-of-the-mill, mundane even, episode of Space Trash. Lifestyles, the rich and Uranus, classico. Classico. It's a classico episode. She's Sarah Armour. I'm Molly Molshine. I was in Miami. I was in New York for a week, and then I was in Miami for a week. Then we did our little special Moonual special episode about the Will Smith slap last week. And we want to make sure everybody knows that we're not promoting violence. Yeah, of course not. Just it's the record. Yeah, it's just, you know, shit happens. Shit happens. We wanted to have a compassionate take, but we, yeah, don't hit. Yeah. So some other shit that happened that we were talking about, I went to a wedding in Miami, which was incredibly fun. It was so nice. I got my makeup done and hair for $180. And I Did looked- you tip her? Yeah, I tipped her 20%. What was the total total? I actually think I over tipped. <laughs> I think I gave her a $20 tip. So I think I gave her $200. You paid $200 to look fucking- but ugly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're beautiful. You didn't you look like you were in costume as Magda from something about Mary. I know. I uh, said, you know, th- it was a 1920s themed wedding. She gave me hot orange lipstick. She gave me a really weird contour that made it look like I got punched in the face. Yeah. It was insane and I was like, you know what? This is actually on brand for the 1920s because everyone was hammered back then. Oh, okay. So she did fall. You know, that's why like the, it really goes to show just the importance of specificity. Yeah. I should have said pretty 20s. Right. right. Like someone in the 20s who was um like respectable. Right. But instead she was like, I'm going to make this bitch look like she brews moonshine in a right. bathtub and s- snorts it up her nose. So if you do listen back to the Desi episode that we did in your absentia, um, that's like exactly what we talk about where Desi's like, you know, like the twenties, like she could have, she should have just had like a librarian from the twenties or like a teacher from the twenties. Like she just looks like a prostitute from the twenties. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. that yeah, actually but- is because you also had like bedhead. It looked like your hair had been slept on literal bedhead, but a, <laughs> a librarian or a teacher from the twenties would look like Mary in the bizarro world of it's a wonderful life. Remember when he's like, when he, when he goes to like the world where he would have never been born and he's like, what about Mary? And they're like, (laughs) she's an old maid. And he's like, no. And then she comes out of the library and she has glasses and no makeup. That would be the librarian version of the twenties. Right. But they couldn't actually, they would, it would have to be like a slut librarian, I guess. Right. Because if it was librarian and it was no makeup, she would really charge you for nothing then. Like she couldn't be like, well, now you're bare faced and regular. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I also got a great tan when I was in Miami, and the minute I landed back in London, I was the color of shepherd's pie. Oh, well, it's sort of a good testament to your ability to always adapt. Thank you. 
What we missed while I was in New York and Florida was the Grammys and the Oscars. You just asked me off mic, why is everyone speculating about Haley Bieber being pregnant? I talked about it with Chloe a little bit. It's not that I think it's news that she's not pregnant or is pregnant. I want to know from a media perspective, why is this a headline every single week? And who cares? Who cares? And the answer is clearly no, not pregnant, not ready to have children. She has been blatant. Yeah. We're going to know when it happens. They're going to tell us. They're going to tell us and she's going to be pregnant. Right. <laughs> she's going to look pregnant and she's going to be pregnant. She's not pregnant. Why do we keep getting news and, and clickbait about her being pregnant? And who cares? Who's even clicking? I know. And I, I think it's because she doesn't really have much else going on. And I guess I don't know this because I haven't really been working in media throughout her ascent. When I was at Galore, yes, we would have covered her a lot, but she was still Haley Baldwin and it was still only whispers of her maybe getting back with Bieber. But my instinct would be she does crazy search traffic every time you write her name in anything. Mm. And that's the only thing there is to write about. It's the Jennifer Aniston paradox. Well, then it's where a good it's thing like, we mentioned her here because she's going in the show notes and hopefully y'all click. <laughs> right. But it's, yeah, it's like with Jennifer Aniston. It's like, no, no one ever gave a shit or thought she was pregnant. But people right. like her as a person. They want to see what she's wearing. She calls the paparazzi on herself. She does. You need, cool. a, yes, of course she does. Cool. You need, allegedly, you need a storyline to go along with that. And sometimes pregnant is the easiest one. And I think, you know, we're supposed to be past that as a society. I wish we would stop. Similar topic. If anyone knows how I can get my dog to stop licking his own penis. Get him a girlfriend. No, we have to throw out his girlfriend. Actually, it's a lamb. <laughs> he, he like has sex with it to completion. We dogs. I mean, I don't want to be too graphic here, but your dog. Yeah, yes. Your, whatever you're going to ask. Your dog is nutting yes. on his toy. And now he won't <laughs> stop. Like, I'm trying to sleep at night and I wake up from the sound of him licking his own dick. No. I thought that once the dog got neutered, it was sort of like he was asexual at that point. We didn't neuter him yet. That's in like two weeks. Oh, so then. that's why he'll, he'll, he'll stop then. He, right now he's just like, who am I going to fuck? Who am I going to have babies with? I mean, he. Yeah, but right now he doesn't have a boner. He's just licking his own dick nonstop. Well, that's kind of like, you know, when I was four or five, I was humping pillows. I think kids just discover their sexuality the same way puppies do. I know, but like, I don't like it. I don't like having <laughs> a dog that has a dick. I know it is. We have this one dog actually at the doggy daycare. He just left. He's a very good boy and he's gotten a lot better over the years, but he is a nervous humper. So like, He'll like another dog. He's not that social. Like a dog will walk by us. And instead of barking at the dog, he'll latch onto your leg and do like the like, like the super hump. And then you really, it, it's very hard to get him to stop humping the leg. And then you'll push him on. Like my dad will come out and be like, Alfie, no. And, my, and he'll just run to my dad's leg and start humping. He's just, he's just, a, you know, he's a, he's a comfort humper. Wait, now he's in the bathroom. Good. Don't do it. Whenever he goes in the bathroom, he, he goes to the bathroom. Do you ever notice when dogs do that? How funny is that? How do they know? Well, you know, first of all, I guess they just, it smells probably like, you know, they're like, yeah. okay, my shit goes here. But I was thinking that too. I was cat sitting and I have a cat, but it's like, how, why do they know to go to the little box with gravel? Like, it's not like in the outside world. They're like, oh, I, I learned as a little kitten to pee in the gravel or to poop in the gravel. Like, wh how do they know it's a little, how do they know the litter box, the litter box? How do they know? I know. I don't know. And then also to, to the same point, babies don't know. Like we are begging our kids. We're like, this is the toilet. This is the potty. Like potty training is such a to do. Why do the animals pick it up on oh, that yeah. so much faster? What's wrong with us? Why do we want to well, be our pants? 
babies are really stupid. They are, man. Dumbass babies. But like human babies, I mean, because the human brain is so much smarter. Mm. Um, it takes longer to develop and our babies are born like helpless right. because if they grew any bigger inside of us, then the infant or the, the maternal mortality rate would be even higher than it was in the old days. So like, like exploding from within. Yeah. We just didn't, we didn't evolve properly to really give birth to like, smart babies that know where to shit damn dude i'm gonna birth a cat (laughs) (laughs) that's awful too that's like the omen but with with a dog but that's why like like when animals in the wild they are born and they immediately are walking around how do they like right like bambi had a few bad moments and it was like oh like right it's a five minute scene (laughs) and then he became freaking shikari richardson yeah right right because animals are dumb it's like they they develop quicker their gestation period is shorter they become smarter quicker because the ceiling is lower for them. Oh, got it. Got, you know, and it's almost like maybe like because the human baby growing process is so much more intricate and longer and whatever. It's almost like we dumb down. Like by the time they get out, they're like, I thought I lived in your water belly. Yeah. I thought yeah, I yeah, lived yeah. in space. Pl- placenta is my home. How do they switch from breathing placenta to breathing air like immediately? What the hell? Well, I guess is that's that what about? the cry is. That's what the cry is. They're going, <gasps> it's like when babies are crying at first, they're not actually crying. They're, they're getting air. But like, does something switch? Like they go from analog to digital the minute they come out. Like, how does it switch? They were fish five minutes ago. I know. And also, how does that work? Like, where are the, where are the gills? Is it just like right. penis hole, the pee pee hole? They just never breathe when they're in utero because they get everything from the umbilical cord. So they just have never breathed before. And then they come out and breathe for the first time. So like it's truly like a parasite when it's in you. Wow. And then you would almost think that like with all like the baby drownings we hear about, like you'd think that they would just plop in. Do you think that they would plop into the pool and be like, oh, we're back. Great. I'm just going to hold my breath now. What are all the baby drowning? I don't know. Like Casey Anthony. And I don't know. I just feel like don't run around. Don't run around the pool, kid. You're going to die. I have a TikTok that I really want to talk to you about that's been haunting me for like a week. Oh my God. Can you send me a link? Did you send me a link? I didn't send you a link. I'm going to explain it to you. There's this woman on TikTok. She's from China and her videos are fascinating. The first series that she was doing was all about what words mean in Chinese, like common names. Like I'm just going to give an example. She does this thing where she's like, the word re, the sound re in Chinese means shit. Mary means bad shit. Harry means smelly shit. She goes through all these things with the most common English names. And it's incredible. It's hilarious. It's like dream content. To the point where I'm like, could she be making this up? Because that's how good it is. So now the new thing that she's doing is, and I'm going to find her name so that everyone can follow her because she's incredible. She's making really, really good Uh, content. The new thing that she's doing is she is talking about Chinese beauty standards and how different they are from Western beauty standards. And it is wild fascinating. So one thing she says is um, cheekbones are not desirable in China, Chinese beauty standards, because they say- if your wife has high cheekbones, she's going to kill you. That's like an old proverb or something. Freckles also, they have some saying that's like, if you have freckles, you are a piece of shit. Like just these really crazy 
uh, standards. So the, the one that's really, really been haunting me is about it's, let me remember how you say this, what this term is. I had never heard of it. Your cranial crest. So what is that? When you look at a woman straight on, she needs to have a high looking area from, from your hairline to the top of your head. It needs to have like some projection to it. So you can mimic this with, you just smeared lipstick. Oh my God, all look at this. on my cranial crest. <laughs> I'm highlighting it for the people. So it's like you, you're looking at the woman and it's like from here up to her head should be like a solid, like five or six inches. Oh my God. Like, so like basically saying like five head, like a big forehead. No, because it should all be covered in hair. Oh, oh. So like it's basically bangs or bust. Kind of, but it's like you need, it's cranial crest. So it's the crest of your cranium. So do I have a good cranium crest? I think so, but I think if your hairline was lower, that's when you would really, you would really be slaying. Oh, I see what you're saying. But they're saying they want you to have like, right. They want the hair to grow into your head, but have a lot of head left before it turns into the middle of your head and then the back of your head. Yes, exactly. Like, like you want to cover you, you want the hair to cover your head like Russia covers the, the globe. Only, mm, you know, cause it's such a big continent. I don't know. It's a reach. A little bit. Only, okay. Do you know Teresa Giudice from Real Housewives of New Jersey? Of course. I would say she has a, a large cranial crest. Okay, let me check. Google cranial crest and you'll see what I'm saying. Okay. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. I just think- Because we're here to, we're here to educate. That's why. It's so interesting. And it's just been haunting me for a few days. Cranial I'm like- Cranial crest. Can I say like cranial crest with bangs? No, just type in cranial crest. Okay. Well, cranial crest, I'm getting a lot of, it looks like, it looks like I'm at the national, the natural history museum. It's like all, it looks like this is all skulls. All right. Well, you see, yeah, I'm going to find the TikTok and I'm going to show it to you. Um, like this is, I'm getting a lot of this kind of thing. Is this it? Yes, that's it. But, but hot. It's yeah, literally. this is just I just for you guys that can't see the video, which is all of you. It's I I basically just showed Molly the skull of a of an ape versus homonym article, uh, and it's there's no hair on anybody because he's a dead, dead ape, dead ass ape skull. skull. But it's okay. This is this is bad radio. I'm really sorry. But <laughs> no, I think find- everybody because it's sort of like an at home. Um, you know, it's like a it's like a play along game. So it's like everybody's at home searching cranial crest now. I'm going to find this woman's name and I'm going to say it. And then I have a real question. Okay. okay, okay I know. On, okay. Everyone go on TikTok and search cranial crest. Okay. And you can see this woman is demoing how to get a heightened cranial crest. Something you can work on? You can use a bump it. She's putting a bump it under her hair. Oh my so that God. it looks like her hair goes higher. It's creating the illusion that your skull goes up higher than it does. It's like it's it's wanting your hair to look almost like you have a bump it because the big issue is you don't want to look like you have a flat head. I think that's the problem is if you have a flat top of your head that is not a sleigh. Okay, so I'm watching this right now. Okay, crane. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it's like, right, so it's this part. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's why I'm so much more comfortable in our space trash hat. 
Maybe because it gives you a bigger a cranial crest. crest. And now this is my new insecurity. I'm like, what? How is my cranial crest looking these days? I have wow. no idea. So that is the the thing that's been haunting my thoughts. Another thing that haunted my thoughts from TikTok is someone was like, girls with a really hairy hairline are God's favorite and like a low forehead. And I was like, wait, I thought that I didn't even know I was supposed to be insecure about my hairline. What do you mean a low? What, what? First of all, what do you mean by a hairy hair? What is a hairline if not hairy? Like one that's got a lot of flyaways. Camila Cabello, look at her forehead and hairline. Okay, let me see. Apparently, that's that it. is now the gold standard. Okay, let's see. She's got a low, hairy hairline, and apparently, that's the goal. I'm just trying to. Okay, okay, okay. I see. So, okay, okay, a low, hairy hairline. Right. I mean. I feel that it's right. So just basically like a little bit of baby hairs. Right. But so I always wanted my forehead to be big, like Diane Keaton in The Godfather. Really? This is so interesting. Foreheads, cranial crests. These are so, these are so not even, they shouldn't even be in the beauty standard conversation because they're just so, it's just such a weird thing to focus on. And it's like, you can't do anything about it. You can't be like, can you add a little bit of a baby, a baby hairs by my, by my cranial crest? It's just like, it's, it's sort of a non-beauty issue in general. I think when I was a younger, a younger Sarah was straightening my hair all the time with the flat iron and I had tons of flyaway baby hairs. It was because I was ruining my hair with heat every, you know what I mean? So it's like, right, it was would literally that have snapping been, off. Right. It was literally snapping, burning my hair off. Like I'm fucking Kim and little women, right? They ironed my ear off or whatever. But you know, wait, there's no Kim and little women. Yeah. Isn't Kim the sister who no one was named Kim in those days. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're like Kimberly, yeah, Kim, Kimberly, the little woman, Kimberly, <laughs> Stacy's sister in little women. No, Kim, there's no Kim. Are you talking about the TLC show with the little no. people? <laughs> no, their names are Amy, Beth, and some other like pilgrim names. Joe, Joe. There's no Kim. Wait, I'm going to find out real quick. Not the new little women, the old little women with, with Winona. Winona. Do you mean one of the actors was named Kim? Maybe. I'm going to find I out. I think you could leave this in. I think this is, this is, is this good. good radio? If it, you tell me. If it's good radio, I keep it. Okay. 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 I was close. It was when she burned Meg's hair off. Kim and Meg are completely different genre of person. Sort of, except that it's like Megan, Kimberly. These are both like one syllable names we're so familiar with. Yeah, but Megan is like soccer, horses. Kim is like makeup, bathing suit. Right. Well, and, and the real kicker here is the actress that plays Meg March in The Little Women from 1994. Her real name is Trini. Trini? That was my favorite Power Ranger. Oh, was that the pink? No, the yellow ranger. Yellow. Oh, yeah. I was a pink I was a pink Power Ranger girl because she was a gymnast. I was a gymnast. She always was with the hot red guy. Yeah, the red guy was hot. Jason? Jason. So, okay. The thing that I find so interesting about these beauty standards and what I've been thinking about a lot lately is whenever in like the 2010s, everyone was like, women's magazines are bad for the culture. They tell you how you're supposed to look. They do blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at, and yes, the diet culture in women's magazines was out of control. It was like Yolanda Hadid had written them all. But like, I never read in a women's magazine hey, here's what's wrong with your forehead. Right. Or your head size. Do you well, know what I mean? Of, well, it's one of those things where, I mean, although I have to say, like, 
in high school, one of my first stand-up jokes was um, that I'm the only person I know with a craniofaciologist because I do have an underbite. So, like, I actually have been up on my cranial beauty standards uh, my whole life. And actually, when I just pulled up cranial whatever, I I, I was going to interject with this. And I was like, hold back, hold back. Nobody notices your underbite. Nobody gives a fuck. But I actually see where I, I, I see the homonym that looks like me here. And I guess it, it could be a flex in some cultures too. like, show me the, show me the country where having an extended bottom jaw is in, because that is normal uh, according to the primate, uh, the sort of primate graph I have here. So I would like to find the place where, where cranial underbites are fucking fab. There was a whole Royal family where everyone had an underbite in but Europe. That's because they're, they're inbred. Yeah, but it was still a serve. True, true, true. Yeah. And honestly, I'm 100%. I did my 23 and me. I'm 99.7% Ashkenazi Jewish, which means somewhere along the line, I'm probably a little inbred too. There's only 2% of the population. I mean, are all the Jews sort of inbred in a way? Yeah, everyone is. I mean, I'm breeding myself back into Ireland. What am I thinking? No, I love that though. No, that's fucking dope because now the fucking American Irish, they're just like too fucking, you know, regular, you know, like I think going hardcore on no Irish Irish is actually like the ultimate Irish flex because it's no longer yeah, like the I, the Irish in America are no longer like um trodden upon like we're no longer like segregating the Irish from the Italian from the you know it's like kind of like just like white people so I think yeah. you, you going back to Ireland and you becoming more of an Ireland uh, aficionado and having Irish kids is actually like the ultimate Irish flex yeah but I think I have good bone structure in my face because I'm a mix of Irish and Polish. Oh I, but I think that Irish people are so hot. I think so too but I don't think my face looks typically Irish. Um I guess I don't really know what that I I guess to me it's all about men. I don't really know what Irish women look like but I feel like the only white men that I've ever genuinely been attracted to for the most part are Irish. I know I love when you say that. True. But I my point with bringing up all these beauty standards is we want to see the beauty standards. Like the TikTok algorithm knows everything I want to see. It knows I get a sick thrill yeah. from finding out if my hairline is appropriate or not. You know what I mean? But I guess so my question, like, like we, we all complain about the things we don't want to see. And then we still seek them out and we still click on them and we still think about them. And I don't know. I just think I find it really interesting. Everywhere I've ever worked, it's like, why are you writing about the Kardashians? Because everyone's Googling them. Right. Everyone is Googling them nonstop. Right. Right. People want to know. And we, we don't, we hate ourselves for wanting to know. We don't want to want to know, but we want to know. We do always want something to hang our hat on about why we're upset or what. I mean, it's again, it's back to the slap. It's like whether it was that big a deal or not isn't the point. The point is, is that it gave everyone something to project their shit onto and use as a way to introduce themselves and their point of view and, and speak out on something. It's like, we are all these just like human, you know, flesh sacks riddled with emotion and thoughts and, and confusion about who we are and what we're doing here and why and what is right and what is wrong and what is moral. And, you know, it, it, even like as the laws change, you know, weed used to be a criminal activity. Now it's, you know, the hottest guys in Silicon Valley are weed guys. So it's like, you know, as the culture changes, what we're even allowed to be upset about or, or our past pain becomes like irrelevant. So I think whenever they're like the Kardashians or or the slap or whatever, like why celebrity? And it's why we do this podcast. Why celebrity, I think, is so important to our culture is because it gives us a way to actually process our own shit. Right. Yeah. Without it really feeling that personal. But my question about beauty standards is like, who says, you know, like, is it, is it, is it the media or is it the magazines that are actually low key responsible for all? Cause it's sort of just propaganda in a way, isn't it? No, it's just 
people it's groupthink. It's like people gravitate to certain things. And then I think once you start codifying it and talking about it, that's when it becomes really set in stone. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure it took a really long time for every model to become six feet tall, Mm -hmm. broad shouldered bone thin. That's not what they used to look like. That's not what they looked like until the nineties, the late nineties, the early nineties, they were curvy. Then you had these ones with the really ethereal sort of faces in the 2010s. And and that's not everyone deciding here's what the beauty standard is now. It's everyone gravitating in a certain direction. But in order for us to gravitate in that direction, it means that that, that that is visible enough to enough people that we can gravitate to it, which is it's, it's, there is still like the banking of beauty, I think, which is in media or it, cause it's like whoever we decide to show, it's like even with Kim with like the all black and Kim wearing like the spandex, like to her, her to fingertips or whatever. It's like low key. If that's just like because she has psoriasis, I love that. But now it's like, oh yeah, everyone's wearing black latex all the time, only all the time. Everyone's covering their hands and their face. And it's like, if it's because she's covering up a, a skin rash, but is playing it off as fashion and now everyone's doing like all black cover my hands cover my face there's something sort of funny about that to me which is like yeah it's just about who's who we can see and who's popular and then going oh that's the thing well i think it's so that she doesn't have to reveal whether she's wearing her wedding ring and engagement ring anymore i think that it's psoriasis perfect example of what I mean, my wedding dress, there's a certain element of it that I was really excited about. And I was going to have it altered to include that characteristic. Then somehow wedding TikTok found me and I'm on the wedding planning subreddit. So I'm seeing all these other women who are getting married at the same time as me. So many of them have that design element on their dress. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought I was, I made it up. Like I said to the shop owner, can you add this? Because it'll be really, it'll be a little different. I had never seen it before. Tell me what it is. I want to know what it is. I'll tell you off mic. And like now it turns out the most basic people. And I mean, maybe I'm basic. The most basic people are getting it. And like, I thought that without it, my dress would be basic. Turns out, I think my dress will be less dated without it. But I also don't care if I look dated. I just don't want to look like what everyone else who gets married next year is wearing. Well, you know what it reminds me of? It's the same thing as like with comedy where like, like you'll have an idea for a joke and you'll be like, that's my joke. And you'll, and then you'll go to the mic and 10 people will have a similar joke or like someone will text, yes. somebody will message you and be like, um, actually that's my joke. And, and you're like, well, did I see them do it? And you're racking your brain. And you're like, well, maybe I did actually, but you don't really know. It's like, like even like when we think we have these original ideas so often it's, it's just because we saw it somewhere and we didn't like consciously process it. So now it just lives in our subconscious and it's looking for a time to pop out. And then we get to go, Ooh, I had a thought. I mean, that's why I'm so much more in the vein of like improv or, or discovery. Um, it's why I even like with, like, I don't want to make a business plan. I want to discover what the moon Yule is because every thought that I have, I know isn't original and isn't actually the future or forward thinking because any thinking that we are able to do now is based on things that we saw and learned in the past. Exactly. It's like the collective unconscious. Literally. That's where everything comes from. Like, I bet you there's a kid in every high school in America who thinks they invented the term Finsta. I think about this all the time because like when Finstas first came out, I had never heard it before. All my interns at the time knew what it was. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's a Finsta. It's a Finsta. And these girls are from all over the 
country. And they're like, we've had it since high school. And I'm like, you guys all came up with this at once. You all came up with this word, Finsta and Rinsta, at the same time. Wait, what's no Rinsta? One- what's Rinsta? That's your real Instagram. Oh, it's the oh. one, the public facing one. Really? But, and it's funny because so Ed Sheeran today, um, he won his lawsuit. Someone was suing him for plagiarism for Shape of You. Oh. And I'm sure you saw like over the past year, last year, mostly Olivia Rodrigo was getting sued yeah. by a million people for all of her music. Everyone gets sued now. And Ed Sheeran came out with this statement today where he was like, look, we have to stop these frivolous he didn't say frivolous, but it was implied these frivolous pop music lawsuits because he said there are only 12 notes and there's only a handful of chords that you use in pop. Like we, he he didn't steal it from this guy. And like, I mean, Olivia Rodrigo obviously had heard that one. Paramore Paramore song song is identical. And, but even still it wasn't, I do not think she was like, oh, we'll just take the Paramore song and rewrite it. It's like, no, it was a song that she heard as a kid. And, yeah. and, and, but that's the only one where I think there is merit to the lawsuit because it is hilariously the same song. Right. But, and she's like openly taken inspiration from, taking yeah. inspiration from that era yeah. and like aesthetically and sonically. So it's like, okay. But I think the bummer is actually that like, number one, it doesn't mean that it's not good. Right. And it doesn't mean that it, that she copied. It doesn't, it, it did come out of her psyche. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And it did, um, it did, like, percolate through her brain. And she did write an original song, whether it was inspired by or unconsciously inspired by another song. It, it still is an amazing song. I think the real issue is that when it comes to credit and music and all of that, it's that everybody, everybody, even the rich people are hurting for money. So if mm-hmm. you can figure out a way to get paid on something that you feel you actually were the creator of. But even with that, I would be really curious, Paramore, like, who were your inspirations? Are there any songs that you you know, that you pulled from before anybody was like with it enough or internet enough to susu, you know what I mean? And in the same thing too, like, I mean, even in, in, in R and B and rap songs, how many, how many times do we use samples or do we hear the use of samples, which is really like the reason that so many songs are so fucking good is just because the sample being repeated is fucking dope. And that existed right. way before the song did. Right. But they use a shortened amount where you're, it, there's like a, a little loophole, yep. but yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is because it's just all printmaking. We're just humans doing printmaking. Right. And we don't, we don't need to, um, abandon copyright law. We need to 
use it more. Like artists should be compensated for their work, you know? And, and we shouldn't hate on the, like Olivia Rodrigo has nothing to be ashamed about. And right. Paramore deserves credit. And, yeah. and, they, and they can both exist and everybody wins. Right. But also, is there a finite amount of pop songs that can be made? Like mathematically. Well, that's I think why like is. BTS is really interesting. Like that band, the Korean, is it Korean? The Korean yeah. band BTS, where it's like basically all written by the computer. It's like basically algorithm pop. And it's like, it is? yes, Dazzy was telling me about this the other day on Psycho Sunday. It's basically like, it is like mathematically created to be sugar for your brain. Here's the second thing. I don't know why I'm recapping TikToks. I guess I used to think a lot. Here's the second TikTok I saw that I just want to touch on. This girl was like, there's two ways to put your bra on. How do I put a bra on? Let me count the way. Yeah. And this is a real bra. So I don't even know if you own one at this point. But yeah, I mean, you do. I do. I, I, I confirm. I do own them. They're somewhere. I, just- I, honestly, I got to find my bras and my passport to go to, to your wedding. So... <laughs> And you really probably only wear them recreationally. You don't wear them under shirts to go out. Not anymore. I mean, pre-COVID, I was wearing a bra unless I was wearing like a bodysuit. But now, no, I'm fucking floppy everywhere all day, every day. Pajamas are day clothes. We're here at home forever. I have some really good free people. It's not really a sports bra. It's sort of like a, it's really good. It's cash. I'll send it to you because I don't like to fully flop. It makes me feel naked. Yeah. Yeah. I like to fully flop because I feel like when my nipples are showing, it's like distracting from everything else. Oh, and you like that. Yeah. Okay. Just like focus on my nips. Don't look at my waistline. Don't look at my chin. Don't look at my skin. Don't look at the lipstick smeared on my forehead. Don't look at my underbite. Don't look at my thighs. Just look at my nips. Wow. That's a really interesting approach, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) So she says original thinker or what? Yeah. She says the first way that you can put it on, you put the cups in the back. It's around your waist. You do the clip in the front and then you spin the bra around and pull it up and put the straps over your shoulders. Okay. That's way number one. Way number two, you put your arms through the straps, bend over, insert your boobs into the cups and then clasp it in the back. Okay. I just want to say I'm not interrupting, but for everybody that's not able to see me, I'm doing it like we're on an airplane and I'm doing like the instruction of how to put your mask on. Yeah, like the flight attendant. Then someone in the comments said, what about the third way? There are people doing this, okay? Someone in the world is clasping the bra before they put it on their body and then pulling it over their head like a t-shirt. That would ruin the integrity of the underwire. It's like demented. That's why there's like 36, 32, 34, because you actually want it to snugly fit. Like if you're putting, if you're doing it that way, there's no way you're not stretching out the bra. Right. It's absurd. And it's also like, where, where are your motor skills? If you have, if you like have. Take a stab at it. Try to clasp it. Yeah. Like you might be able to do it. Surprise yourself. Are you, right. I think what an insecure way to put a bra on. Right. Like, are you a starfish? What are you doing? You have fingers. You can use the fingers to clasp it. You don't need to clasp it on the bed and then pull it over your head. But okay. So we agree the third way is absurd. Well, it's just like, it's a wasteful. It's wasteful. It's just, it, it, and, and it seems inefficient. It would be a lot of trying to find the right strap. You know, like it's like if you put a bodysuit on, like when you put your like your leg through the neck and like pulled the neck, right, and then put your other leg through it, and then you pull the whole thing up your body. It's like no, go right side up, yeah, so that you don't stretch the entire neck out. 
Exactly. So out of the first two ways, which way do you do it? Do you put a bra on? Clasp it in the front and spin it around and pull it up? Or do you? Yeah, I clasp it in the front. I spin around. I put it up and then I put each boob into it. Where are the boobs before you put them into it? They're just, you know, it's like if I clasp it, pull it up. They're just not, you know, they're kind of, they're, it's all more flat. So I, I like do a. Okay. See, I do it the second way. I, I put my arms through the straps first. Sometimes I do that. I've, I've done that. I, it's been done. I wonder what the distinction is. Why do some people do it one way and some the other? Well, look, I'm, this is trigger warning. I think it's because I have bigger boobs than you. Okay. Like, you're like, why would you put your boobs in? It's like, oh, because if I don't, they're just a little bit smushed. Like, I have to like, well, I have enough meat here that I have to like put them in so it looks like I have like D cups. First of all, I would say I have bigger boobs than people think. <laughs> I'm only saying that because you said I will sacrifice birth control for tinier titties. No, it was for less of a fupa. But irregardless, <laughs> I actually have a D cup. I'm a 32D. See, I'm always surprised too because I do too. And then I'm like, this is not a D cup. But so I think I'm like getting away with something. Okay. Well, what's your what's your number size? Well, before COVID, it was 34. Now I do not. I was. I would assume thirty six. The limit does not exist. Yeah. Well, here's. I don't the thing. know anymore because that's why I'm like I'm not wearing bras. I don't know. What, my pants are my old pants. My bras, my old bra. Now I'm sweatpants all the way. Yeah. So a thirty four D is a bigger cup than a thirty two D because oh. it's yeah it's a ratio. The D is not stagnant. Oh, if you had wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, if you had my size boobs on your like, body, actually, no, I think I'm. A, I think I was a 34C, is what I was. Okay, so a 34C is probably the same or bigger cup size than a 32D because if it's a 34, the bra is bigger as a whole. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. The entire right, 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 bra right. is larger, and the D is just a certain amount of projection on top of the size that's already there. So but like, what about like the models who are like stick skinny, who get like boob jobs? Like, like they're going to be a 32 around the bodice, but then the cup needs to be big. So are they like 32 E's? Yeah. Wow. So I guess maybe we have the same size boobs. Well, it's really hard to understand because again, it's a ratio. I mean, I do think that, I, I mean, I've done both. I'll say I've done both. I'm not judgmental of either of those ways. The reason that I do it that way is, um, I just find it to be efficient. Right. It's not like I can't clasp it in the back. It's a little bit like I think about like being in high school when the guy's like futzing with your bra and you're like, come on, dude, this is fucking not rocket science. Like it's a clasp. Pull it out. Unclasp it. Right. Yeah. But I think sometimes when I'm doing it blindly, you know, there's always like the three layers of like you can do super, super tight middle or whatever. Like I've ended up doing it the way that you do it with two arms through and having one clasp on like the third one and then one clasp on the second one. And then I'm like, why do I feel all wonky? And it's like, oh, because you're an idiot. And like, you kind of like sideways clasped both things, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now I feel bad. I'm like, no, Molly, you have huge boobs. You have huge fucking boobs. No, but- it's fine. They're not <laughs> huge. They're just fine. They're like, well, well, I think we both have like normal size boobs. I and mean, they're appropriately sized to our bodies. We're both very proportional, I would say. Yeah. Mine were any bigger. They would be classified as big and they would like dominate. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and also the, the truth is a lot of my bras are push-up bras. So that's why I also put it in because there's like fabric in the bra. Oh, yeah. So I have to put it over that piece of it so that they really look wow, wow, wow. There's a whole pulley system inside yeah. the cup. Yeah. yeah. I have to place it on top of the little silicone inside the bra. Well, I would also say give the arms through straps way a try because it's a really good way to get your boobs nestled in the cups and it's what they said to do on oprah why because oprah did an episode 
about how everyone's bra doesn't fit and how everyone's putting them on wrong and tightening them wrong. And they said it's really important that you lean over and let your boobs just sort of gather into the cup. And then, you know, your- I've heard that my mother has actually, I've been resistant to that now that you're saying that. My mother has actually tried to get me to, my mother's serious about that too. And must be because she's a long time Oprah watcher. She was a stay at home mom. But I actually remembered my mom going like, no, you lean over, you put in. Also, I'm just realizing now, thank you that you're opening my mind. This is such an educational podcast, you guys. Mm-hmm. You're fucking welcome. When you do it the way that I do it, actually, you're still pulling the bra up over a part that it doesn't want to go over. Right. Like my ribs don't actually, it shouldn't be like coming up over my ribs. It is also hurting the integrity of the band. And you're stretching the straps out because you're yeah. going I'm pulling to get yeah, it, yeah. your arm all the way in. So wow. you need to do it our way, me and your mom's way. And Oprah's way. And the other thing is I'm gonna do it today. Yeah. The 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 I'm gonna way, find my bra and my passport. Yeah, no offense. The do it in the front and twist it way is for babies. I know. I was just thinking that I was like, how am I gonna judge the people who are like putting it over their head like it's a fucking pull on diaper where I'm doing the exact same thing? Like I'm just mommy, wow, I'm a bra girl now. It's like Sarah, just fucking clasp it in the back. You can do it. You've got this. Oh, you want to talk about Leah McSweeney and your interview with her? Oh, yeah, sure. That's great. I don't really know anything about her, so you can kind of... um... All right. You need to watch Real Housewives of New York City from the beginning. It's incredible television. Is she on all of them? No, she's only been on the last two seasons, and it's actually unclear. So I interviewed her for the cover of Lady Gun magazine this month. Um, She's really chill. She's really nice. This is the third time I actually spoke with her. Uh, We talked about her new memoir, Chaos Theory, which is a great read. I told her the best- Great name. Yeah. The best advice I have gotten for our merch business in the past year has been from Real Housewife Memoirs. Really? What? Tell me. So she had this brand called Married to the Mob. She still has it. Um, And it was super successful in the 2000s. Dorinda Medley had a cashmere line when she lived in London that- um. Princess Diana was actually a client in the the late 80s, early 90s. And Margaret Josephs had this brand called – it sounded vaguely literary. It was like Marlowe Shakespeare or something. Macbeth Collection? It was Macbeth Collection. And they all were really successful. And none of them really went to like business school. I think Margaret went to FIT. But they all just sort of bootstrapped themselves into these fashion lines and were really, really successful. And I just find that really interesting because I think it's a combination of – so I said to Leah, why do you think it is that so many of these women on this franchise um, happen to be fashion entrepreneurs? And she was like, because to get cast on a reality show, you have to be like ballsy and outspoken and – like smart and with it. And that's what it takes also to be a good entrepreneur. I agree completely. And actually it's reminding me of, did, I think it was Bethany Frankel that said that she would like to see Anna Delvey as one of the new real housewives, like get her a green card, have Anna Delvey be on the reboot because kind of a, for exactly that reason. Um, yeah. Check who said it, but one, I think, I, I think it was Bethany that was like Anna Delvey for housewives. Cause like, let's see her actually hustle. Like, Let's see her actually try to make like good business out of no, this. It was Kelly Ben Simone. Oh, Kelly Ben Simone. Kelly Ben Simone. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> Kelly. Sorry, I don't watch. I don't know who these people are. Dude, Kelly Ben Simone is Bethany's 
mortal enemy. Oh my god, no! Oh my god, I'm starting beef on this Patreon podcast. Okay, actually, here's what I need you and everyone else to do. Put your bras on properly and... Yeah, and I don't know how the weather is in New York, but it's been pouring in. It's been thunder in London today, which is absurd. Never, ever happens. So it's a perfect time to go to Real Housewives of New York City Season 3 and watch Scary Island. It is called... Hey, wait, I'm writing this down. No, no, this is the work. This is the work, you guys. So everybody get your pen yeah. and paper. We're writing it and we can talk about it next time. So on Scary Island, Bethany and Kelly have had a feud brewing for like a full season. It started when Kelly is like, listen, I'm up here. You're down here. And Bethany did not like that. Um, Bethany said to Kelly... Who does she think she is? Madonna? Because that's Bethany's favorite insult. And then they go on this trip and Kelly has a full on nervous breakdown. Why? Because she's like, I'm not Madonna. No, she's like really paranoid. She thinks Bethany's trying to kill her. Oh, shit. It's wild. So look at their charts together. Maybe someday. Yes. So here's here's what you should do. Watch Scary Island. And if that doesn't make you say, holy mother of God, I need to get on this train from the beginning and right. follow it through to the end, then we're different people. Okay. I'm definitely open to that because so far your recs have been right on. I'm totally open to it. Sometimes I just hesitate to like dive into the franchise more because it is such a like well of – it's like, you know what? It's like I feel like behind. It's like the same reason I'm not on TikTok because I feel a little bit like, God, I'm so behind. I know. That- you know, and it's like at least like with The Bachelor, I could kind of jump right in because it's a different season every time. And it's like it's it, it does start fresh. Whereas this, I feel like there's just so much like backstory. Like there's just there's these are rich, long term storylines playing out before our eyes. And so I sometimes just feel intimidated by taking on such a such an enormous project is to watch all the real housewives. But I'm open to it. And if it you know, for what you're telling me, this sounds like fabulous television and and deeply enlightening so i'm very open and actually maybe you can help me understand what's the deal with so now they're doing real housewives new york and another right so okay and and i agree with you the the un, the housewives extended universe is vast it is oh my really God. hard it's like how do i where do i even begin it's I like know. that's how i feel like i'm like i i feel like i i missed the astrology meme market i missed tiktok like i just feel a little bit like fuck Okay, so that none of that is true. That's like almost it, I know it's not the same thing as the sunk cost fallacy, but it feels similar. It feels, yeah, yeah. Because you just have to do it. I need to think more positive about the housewives. Yeah, and just do stuff. Just yeah, but anyway, Watch. yeah. I've only seen New York and New Jersey. I have not I've seen bits and pieces of all the other franchises, but I'm diehard New York and New Jersey. And a big part of that, I actually fell off it for a while, but then when I moved to London, I missed home so much. I was like, yeah. I need to watch reality shows that take place in New York and New Jersey. And Philly. And when I went to college, I was I was not always the big SVU fan, but when I went to college, for whatever reason, it was like the most comforting thing just to feel like I was in the streets of New York where there was like sirens all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It made me feel so at home. I can't like I I just was like, ah, oh. I would fall asleep to it every night, just being like, okay, like it's like being at my grandma's. Yeah, exactly. But so, okay, New York City this past season was a bit of a boondoggle. It was not well received. The ratings were bad. Um, they only had five housewives, which is always a mistake. It's always better to have more full timers. Um, and but another thing I will say is the early days housewives shows 
are really so much better because it was not a juggernaut yet. So these women were completely unself-aware. They didn't know how to produce storylines for the cameras. They really, they were really green. And now they come in. I mean, all you've really seen is Salt Lake City. Those women are overproducing the shit out of themselves. Everything, right. Like it's actually makes it impossible to watch because you're just like, oh my God, you're literally starting fights for the cameras. Why are you all hanging out? None of you like each other. It feels fake, but the early New Jersey and early New York seasons, they all have reasons to be hanging out with each other. The reason why Salt Lake City has gotten borderline impossible to watch is because they're all just trying really hard to make drama and be iconic. Their lives aren't really interesting enough on their own, at least for what they're showing the camera. Miami was good because they actually have lives that are interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, early New York, early New Jersey are incredible. So here's what happened with New York. This past season was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a shit show. So they didn't even have a reunion for this past season, which is unheard of. There was a lot of also racial tensions because they had their first black cast member and there were a lot of issues with women doing microaggressions and everything. And then also people were accusing her of like making things too much all about race, which is obviously an incredibly, you know, privileged stance. Exactly. So that's a great way of putting it. Very diplomatic. It's a very privileged stance. I thought she was great and I really hope she comes back, but apparently now none of them are speaking to her. So I don't think she is going to come back. But so this, this season was so many, so many issues with this season. Not enough people. Pandemic was happening. So they couldn't go anywhere. Uh, no drama because no one was allowed to go anywhere. Right. And it was a lot of like every episode had like a serious racial conversation. So it was tough. It, it was a tough and, and it was, it's good to have those conversations because in my opinion, I think it's really interesting to watch them play out in real time because like we don't ever allow them to play out in the public eye. It's just, oh, you say something stupid and get canceled. But on the shows, it's like... We can't cancel. You have to work through it. Yeah. So I think it's valuable in that way. But but I also um, think it's different. It's it's difficult to watch, I think, when there's only one person of color on the cast or one black person on the cast, because it does, no matter what, end up having that feeling of like sort of that gang up mentality where like there's there's always going to be those scenes where all the white women are somewhere going, Oh my God, like, can you believe like she thought I was, she thought I meant this. And so there's like, not only were we seeing those conversations play out, but I also think, cause I even felt that way in, um, Beverly Hills. I watched also with Crystal with the eating disorder stuff. And when Sutton was like, I don't see color mm-hmm. and Crystal was like, then you don't see me. And, and Garcelle was like, then you don't see me because it's not like they're saying I'm only this, but they're saying like, if you don't recognize that I'm a, a different race than you, it's insulting, but it's, it was hard to watch because even though I did think they handled the conversations really well, it's like at the end of the day, you still get those scenes of like Sutton talking to like Kyle and Kathy and whatever going like, Oh, these women of color are just like so drama. That's so not what I meant. And it's like, yeah, but like, that's the point you're, you know, I, I think there right. needs to be more actual diversity so that the conversation is richer and not just like white versus black or like group versus this one person. Right. Well, the whole thing, it's interesting because the whole point of these shows and why they exist is because it's supposed to be gawking at rich people behaving badly. And normally it's kind of all in good fun. But then when we're seeing them behave badly um, in a way that's racist or that's actually harming other people, it becomes less fun. Yeah. 
I think that's the problem because like, even in my conversation with Leah, I was like, what do you make of people taking issue with not necessarily racism, but housewives political stances? And she's like, you know, if you're, if you want to watch AOC and Bernie supporters, like this is not your show. Like these ladies are Republicans. They don't want their taxes to go up. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Right. Straight up. Yeah. And um, all maybe Bethany, is Bethany a Democrat? She's very tight-lipped about it because okay, she then got her- that means you're Republican. Okay. Well, she got her start on The Apprentice, so I think she's kind of like the kind of person who won't publicly shit on someone who gave her a leg up, which I respect because sometimes a really shitty person can give you a leg up. Sure. Um, and also, I think with her relief work that she does, actually, she says on her podcast, like it's interesting to her because Republicans and Democrats donate kind of equally to her relief efforts. Oh, wow. And she said some causes Democrats donate more and some causes Republicans donate more. I would love so, to see the stats on what, on who donates to what. That's interesting. Yeah. And so she's like, she doesn't want to alienate anyone because she needs their money. And that's great because she's doing good things with their money. You know, like, yeah, that's cool. That's also where the party system's like sort of over. I think join the moon party, come to at the moon. You'll they're having the legacy cast with the older women who have already been on the show. And then apparently they're building out a whole new cast. Now, the rumor that everyone is like chomping at the bit for is that Julia Fox is going to be part of the new cast. Julia Fox. Perfect. Oh, my God. I would love to watch that. She would be incredible. Although I wonder if like either her career is too highbrow, like she might think that's like a knock on her. And also, like, is she a housewife? Like, what does it mean to be a housewife? Like, I feel like this show is called Housewives, but then it's like, I don't know. No one's like a conventional housewife. Okay, so this is what came up when I was interviewing Leah because and when I read her book, because I read Chaos Theory, her book, it was really good. Um, she actually is so much more conventional than you think. She had a daughter at 24. She named her company Married to the Mob because she was like, me and all my friends just had these older boyfriends and we were like ladies who lunch with little part-time jobs. And it was like we were married to the mob because they were all dating these like streetwear guys or like you know, people like that. So she is a lot more conventional than you would think. Is she married? No, she's never been married. And Julia Fox. Well, then what's the requirement of a housewife? Like, doesn't a housewife mean that you're like uh, somebody's wife? Yeah, but none, Bethany Frankel wasn't married. She didn't have a kid on the show. So it's, it's really more of a, like the reason why Camille Paglia loves housewives so much is because it's more of a, like a performance of femininity. You know, it's like women who are sort of, subscribing to society's feminine ideals, but also playing with it and pushing the boundaries whenever they can. Yo, Camille Paglia on The Housewives, that would be incredible. Dude, I know. I know. Let's get Camille Paglia and what's the other one's name? Uh, Candace. I want Camille Paglia and Candace. Candace Owens? Candace Owens. Let's get Candace Owens and Camille Paglia on The Housewives revamp. Like, if you want me to watch shows where conservative women are just fighting with each other, I would prefer it to be a little bit more highbrow than Teresa. That plus Julia. I mean, yeah, that's a show I would watch. It seems like they would all sort of be in the same conversation anyway. Yeah, and Leah's friends with Julia. And Julia's friends with Anna Delvey. I don't know, man. I would watch that. I would like to see, like, what she does from here. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know?
No, I don't want Delvey. She's a con artist. She shouldn't be rewarded. She's a shitty person. Yeah, but it's like half the people in the housewives are shitty people. These are shitty people that we watch. And I would love to see Camille Paglia go after or at least like interact with Anna Delvey. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that would be genuinely interesting. Yeah, I get like not rewarding her, but this whole mystique that they're trying to build around her that she's this like girl boss is really an insult to women, honestly. She's like I said when we were talking about the show, what if they did an invention? Anna of Bernie Madoff. It's not like you're a criminal. You just stole money. You stole money from people. I mean, the Wolf of Wall Street is essentially the same thing. I mean, it's whatever his name was, Jordan Belfort, but it's like you're still watching a shitty person commit heinous money crimes. I mean, if everybody on the show has like trust issues with each other anyway, I don't think having just like an outright liar be an addition, a young outright liar be added to the cast, but I don't know. I think she's terrible. I don't think she's a good person. I don't think that's good. But yeah, I think Julia Fox would be incredible. She is a meme machine. Her and Leah and not Delvey, maybe like Kat Marnell. Yeah, Kat Marnell could be interesting. Yeah, but Kat actually wouldn't really fit so much with the housewife thing. But now that she's like so sober, I don't know how like reality TV she'd be. Much prefer a cracked out Marnell uh, on the Housewives franchise. Well, she's she would be like a Carol Radziwill 2.0. First of all, Carol, there is no other you, specifically because no other housewife has tweeted me. So that makes you the best. And also like... Fucking Lee Razzle's daughter. Like, no, Carol's cool. She's got her production company going. She would literally be Carol. She made a comment. Carol Razzle says she wouldn't join the Real Housewives of New York spinoff, says it would be an epic fail on her part. Well, oh, well, the, the thing that's really interesting is they all say things like that. And you know that if they get the call, show me the money, show me the money, Jerry. <laughs> but I, I just think it's addictive being on the show. Like, if you read the Dave Quinn book, it it becomes really clear how much it consumes their lives and it becomes their entire lives. And the sad thing about it, which is also the best thing about the show, the show spotlights middle-aged women. There is no other thing where middle-aged women are catapulted into the top tier of an industry out of nowhere, especially the entertainment industry. Like, it's this or nothing. So it's like you get a taste of this fame and notoriety and being in the entertainment business when you were never in it before. And then all of a sudden it gets snatched away. I think that that that's really hard when you get fired or you quit or whatever. Okay. So it's like almost like an ex addict being like, I would never drink again. I would never do heroin again. But it's like, well, but if they're going to pay me to do it. But you want to be on record as saying like, no, that's not me anymore. I would never. Exactly. Ladies, if you want to get a merch brand going, this is the jump off. Well, all of those ones I mentioned hit before they even got on the show. Oh, so they're just like more successful than us. I don't even know what the article said. I literally didn't read it. I'm really sorry. I know. I can tell you didn't read it. Yeah. I mean, I did save it. I, I retweeted it, but like I actually didn't know who this person was and, and I was going to watch and I was going to go back and figure out who she was and then read it. And then I actually just totally fucking forgot. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I think another thing that helps with them is they all have really good fashion sense, obviously. And I think they all have a lot. They all have capital from their husbands. And at least now Julia has a baby Birkin she could sell. Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles. The rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.